have seen her on Zoom or heard her speak at an event, you'll agree with me that Reverend Angela Pleasance is just the warmest, kindest, strongest person, isn't she? She hikes all the Appalachian Mountains. She volunteers as a chaplain for community police departments. She just got a very strong, cool factor. <laughs> Angela is a graduate of North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University and Duke University, uh, excuse me, Duke Divinity School. She served for the last year as WCA's Vice President for Clergy and Church Relations, helping all of us find our way through these uncertain times. Prior to joining the WCA staff, Angela served as an elder in the North, Georgia, uh, excuse me, the North Carolina Annual Conference, a little slip there. In addition to leading local churches, she also served as a district superintendent, chief missional strategist, and as the chairwoman of the conference's board of elders. Her colleagues twice elected her to attend general conference as a delegate. But today, Angela is a global Methodist. And she serves among the first clergy to be welcomed into our new tribe. So will you join me in welcoming her as she comes and shares with us? So now that I know I'm in a new conference, the North Georgia, <laughs> which I love the state of Georgia. Pray with me. Eternal and almighty God, we thank you, we praise you, we honor your holy name. God, we thank you for your spirit that is moving in this place and in each heart. Now, Father, we just lift up our heart to be in tune to your word we pray, Lord, that your word will take root. We pray that it will grow, that we become doers of your word. Father, I pray that your servant decrease, that you shall increase, that your glory, as Pastor Rob just spoke about, shall be seen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I grew up in a very rural part of Gifford County. Gifford County is in Greensboro, right outside of Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah. And yes, <laughs> I'm another Gifford County person. And when I grew up, it was as rural as you could get. And I think my nearest neighbor was a cow. And, so, and we had, it was a, a farming community. We had tobacco farms, we had vegetable farms, and, and our family kind of lived in close, close proximity to each other. And it was just a beautiful place to be. But one of the things I loved about Gifford County and growing up in that area was my home church. My home church of Collins Grove United Methodist Church. It was a church that most people and myself would call Methacostal. <laughs> we were Methodists with a little bit of Pentecostal thrown in for good measure, and on any given revival night, you might find a little Baptist flavor to boot. But I loved it because our music was so lively. It would just, you come in, and even before you came in, you can hear it from the parking lot. It would just fill the place. And the one thing that I loved about the music 
We had the older men, the older saints of the church. They sat on one side on the front row, and the older ladies sat on the other side. And they would start, the men would start like this. They would just go, and then the women would pick up the words, and they would start singing the words. And before you realize, the whole church was just raptured up in the song. And we had what was called uh, a holy dance. We called it shouting. And every now and then, Miss Susie would get up and give us a shout in praise to the Lord. I loved my home church. The other thing that I loved about it was the pastor, he would break out in his sermon, his word of proclamation into this cadence. He would start, now I'm going to use some, some music language here because it was almost like a song and dance. So he would start with a pianissimo and he would build it up to that mezzo forte, and then he would get up to that forte, and right at the crescendo was when the song and dance start. He would say some words, the congregation would respond. He would give more words, the congregation would respond, and it was a back and forth. In the black tradition, we call that hooping. <laughs> we call that hooping. And that was actually a form that was brought over to the Americas by the African slaves. And the, the black pastors here in America, the free black pastors, began to pick it up and incorporate that into the black American church tradition that sometimes you will hear today. Now, I'm not going to do it because I can't. <laughs> Somebody said, come on, but, but it is a beautiful tradition when you're in there and you witness that. Now, I remember one of the responses that the, some of the people, the older generation would give. So if any of you ever pre preach in a black church, let me give you a little hint. So when they say, pastor, say so, or you better say so, you're doing good, keep preaching. <laughs> but when they say, Bring it on home, pastor. <laughs> land the plane. <laughs> Just land it. <laughs> and go take your seat. <laughs> but in that tradition, they would often say, pastor, you better say so. Now, when I was young, I didn't quite fully understand what that meant. But it was so fascinating to watch. But it wasn't until I got older when I was older and I heard the stories that my parents and my grandparents and, and the other older saints in the community shared, I began to understand why that became one of the phrases that they will often say on Sunday morning, which was their place of release. See, when we were young, my parents tried to shield us from the horrors of discrimination. So we kind of lived in a bubble, not realizing what was happening in the greater world because they wanted to protect us from that. But as I got older, I realized what my forefathers went through, what my parents went through, and my grandparents went through. So when they were in church on Sunday and we saw the holy dancing, we saw the shouting, we heard them holler out, say so, that was more than just a nice little word and phrase that they tacked on to a sermon. These were saints that came through the tribulation. They came through the tribulation of segregation. They came through the, the tribulation of discrimination. They came through the tribulation of oppression, suppression, and depression. And they knew who it was that brought them through. So when they heard the word of God proclaimed, they would holler out, say so. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But they also knew that not only did he bring them through the physical hardships, but this was also the Lord that brought them from the sin of bondage and death. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So this is why we are gathering here today, and, and this is why we can celebrate that, because what God has brought us through. Something else that I remember about uh, my home church growing up, there was a song that we always used to sing. My mom would often play it on Sunday mornings before we went out to church. We would wake up to gospel music just permeating all through our house. So one of her gospel albums was by Aretha Franklin, and there was a song on there, and I just, that song sticks with me today, and especially with what we're walking through, but one of the songs that, that we would sing at my home church was, How I Got Over, How I Got Over, How I Got Over, My Soul Looked Back and Wondered, How I Got Over, Just As Soon As I See Jesus, The Man Who Made Me Free, He Was A Man Who Bled, You Know He Died For You And Me. I want to thank him because he brought me. I want to thank him because he taught me. I want to thank him because he kept me. I want to thank him because he never left me. I want to say hallelujah. And we would sing and shout and celebrate over what God has done for us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I want to share with you these words from Psalm 107. My brother said uh, on yesterday that he likes to have his Bible. I'm one of those too. I, I, gotta, I still like to hear the pages turn. And plus, I'm scared my phone might blink out on me when I'm trying to read. So I play it safe. The word is the word, no matter what avenue that you use to lift it up. But these were people who knew also what it meant to say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 107, verse 1 through 9, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. The redeemed of the Lord shall say so. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. For he has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless, hungry and thirsty. They nearly died. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he rescued them from their distress. He led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. The word of the Lord. These are people who also came through trials and tribulation. I, I love this passage. If you read the passage in its entirety, it almost reads like a hooping style sermon because you have people who were lost, who were hungry, and they cried out to God, and he rescued them. You have people who were in prison, and they cried out to God, and he freed them. You have people who were, were sick and morally ill and at sea and in peril, and they cried out to God, and God responded. It's almost this back and forth and back and forth. 
And so they knew what it was like to cry out, but they also knew what it was like for God to respond. Many of us have our own cries. My cry may be different from your cry, but many of us too are crying out. Israel was crying out. Most scholars believe that this psalm was written right when Israel was released from their exile, and they were coming out of exile. But the question remains is, how did they get in exile? What happened that put Israel there? Because Israel was God's chosen. They were his people. Why did God choose them? It wasn't because they were more favored. It wasn't because they were the greatest, but God chose them because he was faithful. And he remembered his promise to their ancestors. So God chose Israel. He planted them as a choice vine, and their, their ministry was to produce good grapes. But something happened along the way, and they did not produce the good grapes. So what happened when they were chosen and planted? They permitted the sin of greed to step in. They began listening to voices other than God's voice. They began to get involved in self-indulgence. They began to be morally perverse. In other words, their overall sin was they failed to realize that there is someone outside of themselves who can set, has the right to set the perimeters for their life. Let me say that again. Someone outside of themselves who has the right to set the perimeters for their life. And they wanted to set their own perimeters. And so they ended up eventually in exile. And the question that they lifted up is, how can we sing a song in a foreign land? So they hung up their harps by the rivers of Babylon, and they wept, and they cried, and they lamented before God. How many of us are lamenting today? How many of us are crying today? As I said, your cry may not be my cry. My cry may not be your cry. My lament may not be your lament. But irregardless of why we're crying and lamenting, God hears. And God has a plan. I love the words from Jeremiah 29, 10, and 11, when God said that only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for your harm, to give you a future and hope. Saints, we've been in Babylon for too long. And now God has heard our cry. And he has a plan. He has a plan for our life. He has a plan for the Global Methodist Church. He has planted us as a choice vine. So the question remains with us, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to produce good grapes? Or will we fall prey to what Israel did? Realizing, not realizing that there is someone that can set the parameters for our life. God has a plan. 
the same way he led Israel out, he will also lead us out. But I want to talk about that for one moment. Notice when Israel was led out, not only from Babylon, but let's go back even before that, when, when God heard their, cry, their ancestors cry when they were in Egypt and he led them out, there was something they had to do first. They had to go before God in a time of consecration. And I believe that God is calling us now to a time of consecration. No longer should we continue to fall prey and mourn about being in a denomination that we no longer fit. We realize that, but now we have to stop mourning and looking at what we don't have and realize what we do have and what God is providing for us. But first, God is telling us we need to set ourselves apart before him, get before him, repent and lament before him before we can step over into that promised land so that we don't bring the same stuff and the angst within us over into where God is taking us. There must be a time of consecration, of lamenting and repenting because God is doing some amazing things. I remember it was, some people say they don't have a specific date, they just knew it was a transition period time for them, but for me, when I gave my life fully to Christ, it was October the 25th, 1990. And when I shared that with people, they said, what do you mean? You were always in church. Your, your parents always had you there. You were serving on the youth council. You were in young adult ministries. And folks, let me say, just because you're in church does not mean you're in Christ. <laughs> just saying. And so it was October the 25th, 1990. And I call it my Isaiah moment. When Isaiah went in the temple on the Lord's day and he fell down before God, he said, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. That actually happened to me. I fell down before God in tears and realized the sinful person that I am, that I needed someone outside of me to cleanse me. Sitting in a pew on Sunday did not do it. And it was in that moment that God put a holy fire in my heart, and to this day, it has not gone out. And until I draw my last breath, I will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone that will hear. But I had to realize that I couldn't. He also called me into ministry that same day, but I didn't go right away. I had to walk through a period of consecration. That was 1990. I did not enter seminary until 96. Because I had to walk through that period. God had to grow me in him. He had to season me in him before he sent me out to do his ministry. This is seasoning time for us, for the Global Methodist Church. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So God is not only breaking down the delivering us from the hardships and tribulations that we've been walking through. God is also delivering us from the bondage. Jesus has already done the work of that. He did it on the cross on Calvary. All we need to do is step into it. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say a way. He said the way, meaning he is the way into this new relationship with God. Jesus said, I am the truth. He's the revealer of who God is. Jesus said, I am life. 
to the full till it overflows. And that is what he came to give us. As we step into this new season, we were in sinfulness and bondage, but the price paid was the atoning death of Jesus Christ. And now that we're saved, now that we are delivered and restored in our relationship with God, we are grateful people. We are people that lift up our song, our hearts with song and rejoicing. We are people who live a life of thanksgiving with God in our new family and now living in awe and wonder of the faithfulness in God. We have not just survived, we have thrived and we have conquered and we will continue to conquer. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who first loved us and continue to shower his love on us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen and amen. Angela Pleasance, welcome. Thank you. What a great talk today. Oh, it was powerful. Thank you. I love that image from Psalm 107, let mm. the redeemed of the Lord say so. Yes. What brought you to that for to bring to this group today? Uh, I think it was when I grew up, um, that psalm resonated with me because I heard that in my home church so much. And as a child, I didn't understand what the old, I call it the older saints in our church were talking about. But when I got older, and also when I understood what the psalm was about, and I related it to the plight that my parents and grandparents went through, the discrimination, segregation, it was, uh, that is, that phrase is like a praise. Uh, when you say, let the redeem of the Lord say so, it's like a praise to God who has brought them through a lot of trials. And so that, with me, <laughs> that means a lot for me today coming through with some of the things I went through. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things I wrote down here was, um, we've been in Babylon too long. Yes. How do we get home from Babylon? Only God can bring us home. <laughs> and I, I remember when Rod made a, a comment when he was speaking, and he said, Walter's well, going to get me. I, I don't know if I should, if that was for me to say. And I said the same thing to myself, Walter may get me on this one. <laughs> <laughs> But I just felt that there were times where we have, many of us have felt that we have been hindered in so many different places. And um, the biggest way to, to get home is trusting, having faith in God who can work miracles and do wonders. Yeah, I think there are a lot of us who kind of still serve in Babylon. Yes. And, you know, not, not where we want to be. Yes. And yet I, I was also struck when you were talking about that about God's instruction to the exiles to yeah. live in that place, you know, and yeah. pray for the place where you live and, yes. you know, plant vineyards and have, so, so there is a sense that, you know, we want to be back home, but there's always, so some are going to be home and some are going to still be in Babylon yes. as we go through this, this next season. Yes, exactly. And so you're, you're working with churches as they, as they, begin to make the transition yes or think about the transition how is your work going i imagine your phone just rings constantly oh, it is my phone my all my different social media outlets they're messaging me through that my e, i have two different emails now still have my wca now a gmc global methodist church email both of those are lighting up it's a lot yeah 
Yeah. Uh, Anything that you want to tell people just briefly that, uh, that it would be helpful to them as they're thinking about what's next? Well, one of the, the, the main things that I've been uh, sharing with individuals, because there's a lot of angst out there, a lot of anxiety, um, what do we do? And so I, I tell them, don't be so quick to think you have to make a decision right away. Um, let's really look, because it's not only a decision, the, the one thing we want to do is we want to hurry up and rush out to something. Think about where you are. Think about family situations. Uh, how would this affect family? But think about the church where you are. Because the some of the churches, you may have some that will want to stay. You may some have some that will want to go. So we got to be fair to all the lay people in the church in that way and help no matter where they want to go, but help people to get to where they feel called to be. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I'm trying to help people to do is to um, calm their anxiety and try to work through a plan with them instead of being so quick that we may miss some things along the way. That, right, yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, some of the exiles came home right away, and some took a longer time. Exactly. And some were still in the diaspora. Exactly, yes. So we kind of have to be patient in exactly. that sense, again. Yeah. And, uh, and to know that they will not be forgotten or left right, behind. But, right, yes. that God, God is still with them. Exactly. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Angela. Thank you.